Hello everyone and welcome to Car to Talk, the podcast to help those in the car sector look after their own mental health as well as the people they manage. Um, thanks for joining me, Lee Truman, um, and Mark Caulfield for the penultimate episode of season one. It sounds like something from Game of Thrones, um, but we will be having a live season finale on the 26th of April. Um, at 10 o'clock. So make sure if you're at the XL for the Health Plus Care Show, you check that out. Um, the more the merrier. Um, and let's, let's break the stigma of ill mental health. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. As usual, uh, we'll be talking about the good, the bad and the ugly. But first, let's get into the first part of the show, um, Pits and Peaks, where myself and Mark talk about a positive and maybe not so positive experience for the last week. Um, So I've been doing a lot of talking here, so I'm going to hand over this week to Mark. And Mark, do you want to start with either your pit or peak? I will. Absolutely. Um my my pit, uh my pit and my peak is is um actually happened yesterday. Both of them happened yesterday. I um uh most people who know me do know that I do lots and lots of running and such things. Um, but I've been a little bit lazy over the last four or five months. And about three months ago I decided I was gonna get myself back back in shape and back running and so decided what I would do is I would enter some races that that would be the way to do it which I did I then forgot about those races so I suppose my pit was the fact that today I can barely walk because I ran a half marathon yesterday with two days training prior to it so I'm in absolute agony um and um but equally my peak is actually you know what I did it how about you, Lee? What about you? What have you been uh, up to? Um, what have been your peak and pit? Well, I'm struggling to find a pit. Normally, I, I manage to find it. I think if I was going to go into the pits and peaks, which which I am going to do, um, been really busy at work, so I've been on the road quite a lot. Um, so never nice to be away from the family for a prolonged period of time. But there've been a few days. Um, I've had a few weeks back to back where I've had overnight stays and obviously not getting back home. It's been sort of, yeah, tough being on the road so much, but it's been good at the same time. Um, good. Probably like yourself, pits and peaks. Um, but probably my peak is that this time on this time next week I will be in Mallorca. Um, so that's obviously something to look Lovely. forward to. I've been oh, busy nice. traveling up and down the country. We've done since I got the car in December. I've done ten thousand miles almost. So, um, yeah, been doing a lot of a lot of miles. So now it's time to to spend some time with with Lena. So just to spend some time with me and the missus, the son in Mallorca. Even though it's only going to be about nineteen, it still should be just a really nice break. And the food is cheap as chips over there. So, <laughs> well, you'll be pleased to know 19 compares favorably to five degrees and raining very heavily, like it was doing in my half marathon yesterday, which was particularly grim. But yeah, yeah 19 sounds very nice. Let's um, move swiftly along 
Um, on to the big topic of this week. So this week we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. I myself suffer from imposter syndrome on a semi-regular basis, always in a period of, of recovery. Mark, I don't know if you sort of have a dance with imposter syndrome every now and again. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, For me, it was really, I suppose... <clears throat> um, more, I guess, in my previous previous life. So, um, as most people know, you know, I spent twenty eight years in the advertising business, and imposter syndrome is a real weird one, isn't it? Because there I was, I was a board director of WPP, the largest advertising group in the world, constantly thinking I wasn't good enough, constantly thinking I was going to get found out that it was all going to go wrong, and no matter how many times I told myself. You know, but these people who have hired you and have put you in this position and you've been working here for all these years are really smart and they know their stuff. And you're working on some of the biggest clients in the country and everything's cool. It couldn't I couldn't pull myself away from that. And so I'd often find in 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 meetings with people who I perceive to be really, really super smart, I would find that creeping in. And so I guess the point is, from my point of view, is it's not it's not indiscriminate um there's an awful lot of people who can who can suffer from um imposter syndrome well i'm going to be talking about my own battles with imposter syndrome sort of further on in the episode but i just wanted to almost break it down what is imposter syndrome so uh feeling like a phony feeling like a fake feeling like a fraud in in many aspects of the life so a lot of people will think that imposter syndrome is a purely professional thing. It's not. It's um if you've got a, a beautiful other half, beautiful partner, um, you might think you're we've all we've heard the saying, have you got put have you got uh, boxing gloves underneath the table because I'm punching here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And obviously that then feeds into imposter syndrome. Um how it feels, so restlessness, nervous energy. Self-doubt is the big one. Um, I think we talked before about your friend who, again, was in that scenario, who had a really attractive girlfriend and and almost like self-sabotage. It becomes a self He did. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, I think you know, I think you're right. I think imposter syndrome is very often talked around, around, around the work situation. But, you know, if you break down what it actually is, is you know you start to feel yes you feel all those things you feel the fraud you feel like you don't deserve to be in the place you are and all the rest of it but what it really boils down to very often is is kind of your self-esteem how 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 you perceive yourself you know and there's that brilliant saying which is absolutely true perception is reality you know and if you perceive that you're not good enough guess what happens your reality becomes that and you start to act like that. And actually, you can sometimes find imposter syndrome that is not controlled or managed can actually, you can start to create what you think is happening. So by the very nature of feeling like that, you start to act as you would imagine you would if that was true. And so what you find is sometimes you can create uh, create these difficult situations which you're trying to fight against in the first place. Um, yeah, and like you say, the how it manifests itself is in that negative self-talk. Um, I don't know if if you have the internal monologue, but um, always sort of 
thinking out loud. Um, and obviously, then the the self talk, the monologue turns negativity. Um, and while imposter syndrome is in, I don't believe it's a recognised mental health condition. It's a it's almost a gateway or a precursor to to anxiety. So if you leave yeah. syndrome unchecked, it can lead into anxiety or depression. Absolutely. And and I mean, what I think you find sometimes in the workplace, and this is how it manifests itself in me, um, was definitely down that kind of anxiety um, issues, but almost in panic attacks. So you ended up, you know, you'll be in a meeting that you were perfectly within your rights to be in. And actually, you you had some great value to add. But inside your head, you're going, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And actually, when it comes to your turn to actually contribute in that meeting, you can almost freeze because you start to self-doubt yourself. And that's where you get this horrible, classic stress reaction that takes over and starts to and starts to really, really affect how you behave. And then, unfortunately, human beings have this amazing thing called learnt behaviour. The more you do that, your brain starts to learn Next time you're in that situation, next time you're in a meeting or you're in that meeting with the same people or whatever it happens to be, then the same thing starts to happen. So we're just going to talk about some typical examples of imposter syndrome. Mm. So me and you, Mark, we talked on, on a few events about imposter syndrome, some that were very keen on. We broke it down last time into the into the five types. Um, and again, things can exist outside of here, but it's just five groupings, so yeah. um, we'll, we'll go through them and we'll talk a little bit about them and then we will sort of almost say that we fit in, in one of these sections as a little bit of a um, exercise. So we're going to start with the perfectionists. So perfectionists got high-level goals. They take on too much work. Um, they micromanage others. Um, they have difficulty delegating. Um, work's got to be 100% before it can be submitted. Now, I've heard it said about the perfectionists before that they they struggle to get out of their own way, so they'll have a successful business and they'll try to scale it because they're trying to micromanage and be involved with every facet of it is. Yeah. It's almost a drawback to be that sort of that involved with everything because sometimes you can be too busy working in your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Working on your business. So have you got yeah. anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the perfectionist is an interesting one because, <clears throat> you know, perfectionist is what a lot of people strive for, isn't it? You know, like when you get those, those really, really awkward, ridiculous interview questions, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Oh, my weaknesses, I'm a, you know, I'm a perfectionist, which actually means a strength, right? But the, but the reality is, is that a perfectionist, it's almost, it's almost bordering on an OCD type, type type approach to things you know i cannot i'm never satisfied with what i do it's never good enough um perfection is practically impossible in fact perfection doesn't really exist in work because you can always do a bit better have a shift you know, there's a lot of people talk about actually do something 90 percent and get it done and get it actually out there and doing is a damn sight better than waiting another six months to try and get one percent more which actually probably has moved on in that time. So I think part of the issue is what perfectionists really struggle with is looking at the positives of things. They're always looking at what the flaws are. 
They're always looking at what their failings are rather than their successes. And actually, when people go into treatment for that, a lot of that therapeutic work is focused around, yeah, but what's good? There is good stuff. What are those good things? Um, one of the things that I always used to do what, what, what was, because I think I'm a mix of a couple of things, but perfectionism is is one of those things. But what it does is creates inertia in me. Um, so rather than doing it and risking it not being brilliant, I just don't do it at all. So moving on to the next one, which is which is the bucket I most fit in with. So it's the super person. Um, I'm always quite about that being a huge comic book geek. Um, so nice cape, by the way. Yeah, yes, I do have a nice cape. I just have to be careful when I'm going near a plane with those jet engines that yeah. sucked yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so feelings imposter syndrome pushes them to work harder than others to mask the inadequacies they feel. Uh, it's typical that they'll stay in the office later than others, uh, get stressed during downtime holidays, and let hobbies fall by the wayside. And again, this is this is kind of where I come in. This is where that saying perception is reality comes in. You know, um, if you believe, if you believe that you are inadequate or whatever it is, your skill set's not as good as it could be, you can end up just spending so much of your time trying to fill gaps in your knowledge or your experience or your skill sets that aren't there. And that's where you can get horrible imbalances in work-life balance. And that's where you can start to really, really push yourself to burnout to try and achieve things you don't actually need to, you know. I'm just going to move on to the natural genius. So this person may feel the need to be naturally competent at tasks and get frustrated when not being able to get things first try. Um, yeah. They have been an A-star student or the smart one in the family and has got a lot to live up to. Um, feel shame when they hit setbacks and may not try things that they, they may fail in. Um, and again, I think this is sort of a, almost a thing where you are a big fish in a small pond and then you move to, to the bigger pond and then you put that pressure on yourself. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you got much to add on the natural genius. Yeah, I mean, I th I think really it comes down to they tend they tend to set very very tough goals for themselves. Um, they 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 uh, you know an awful lot of that is self imposed. Um, and I feel certainly when I've when I've struggled most when I look back at my career when I've worked in um, so if I look back at my advertising agency world when i worked in um uh, larger organizations where i was a specialist because i had particularly so particularly different niche skills within advertising i felt great in that situation because i was a specialist right i was the person they came to to ask for those questions whenever i moved into then a smaller more specialist agency where lots of people had the same skills as me, that's where I often felt I'd stop. Yeah, I mean, and the next one is is one that probably a lot of people will identify with. So the soloist, um, yep. this person might be fiercely independent. Um, they probably feel shame if they need to ask for help or backup, um, and feel um, feel firm that they can accomplish things on their own. Um, so I think. Again, this is another thing that I fit into a little bit. 
always try to do as much as I can myself. Um, and then when you have to ask someone for help, it's, it's not an easy t- it's not an easy thing. And it goes back to a conversation we've had before. Um, the, the the first time you go and see a doctor and tell them that you are struggling with mental health, again that kind of comes into yeah. into here. Um, that asking for help is isn't good. So the soloist. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think I think for me the soloist is it's that really tricky thing of people believing and and you know lots of this comes come come comes from your upbringing and from you know from your parents or your siblings and school you know asking for help is a strength not a weakness but a lot of us are programmed into our heads to go actually i must try and solve that problem myself now that's fine solving a problem yourself is great unless you make a big mistake doing it at work and that's where you sometimes find you know because we have this strange archaic structure in 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 kind of business in general this this very very hierarchical structure from a from a grad or from a new starter to a board director you have to do x y and z along that process to get there what people often forget is that actually you know if you sit in one of these groups particularly this kind of soloist group it's going to make it really really hard for you to manage people um, but we're going to move on to to the last one in our whistle stop tour of um, the the types of imposter syndrome. Yeah. So have a look at the expert. So the expert measures competence on what and how much they know or can do. Uh, this person might shy away from projects if they don't meet every single requirement. Uh, they're constantly seeking training or certificates to prove knowledge. Um, feeling that they don't know enough, even if you've been in a role for some time. Now, I know someone who's who I feel is an expert. So again, they've always been in full-time education. So they've gone from degree to degree to degree um, and have always been kind of in that educational piece and they never feel that they know enough. So mm. so yeah, what what what's your thoughts on the expert? Yeah, I think I think I, for me, the expert is probably the most frustrating um, area for the individual themselves, because whilst they are desperate to learn more and know more and be super educated and know more than anyone else, they also tend to be very impatient. <laughs> so they don't actually allow the fact that it takes time to learn things, you know, it- there seems to be an impatience around that. And I think, I think you know, that's where we have the risk, this kind of instant expert. Um, and there aren't such things as instant experts. And I think, I think the way culture is now, and I think, you know, social media and TikTok and learning everything in 10 second videos and all this is not going to help the fact that people have become incredibly impatient to learn and actually... It does take time and it can be very, very frustrating if you don't feel you are this expert. But the reality is your boss, who's been doing that job for 15 years, it's probably taken them 15 years to learn it. All right. It's not going to take you five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was a great section. So, again, um, the, the types of imposter syndrome or the most commonly known um, examples of the imposter syndrome. So we call it the perfectionist, the super person. Um, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. Um, 
I fit into the super person category, Mark. Uh, which which category do you think? Um, so I I I would say for me, um, I, I am a, a mix of the perfectionist and the soloist. Um, I um, I've always been good at um, running teams, but what I'm not very good at is integrating properly with teams so where i've had you know a big team of people working for me i'm quite good at managing it yeah but when i'm working on a piece of work myself i can be quite you know closed and that's it i'm doing this and it's just because um either i'm really enjoying that piece of work or in truth i'm not sure i trust people to do it right yeah. I mean, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about my past. So um, I was brought up in Merseyside. Um, probably can't tell that for the accent. You probably thought I was um, raised in London. Um, but no, I was raised in Merseyside in Thatcher's, in Thatcher's Merseyside in the sort of 80s and 90s. Um, and I remember when someone asked me once what I wanted to do when I was growing up and all we said is we just didn't have any aspirations. It was a Merseyside council estate, real rough council estate. Um, and when I say it's a sort of poor upbringing, there wasn't a lot of money. Um, I have to say I had the greatest childhood of anyone I've known. Um, we didn't realise at the time we were poor because everyone was like that on the estate. Um, and give it a few years, I kind of progressed through my sales career. I remember being in sort of meetings in London um, with other directors um, and then sitting there and you get the, the whole feeling of kind of like it just blows you away. It's like, what am I doing sitting in this room? And I think we, we've talked about it. It's to do with self-esteem. But then, again, I think the, the upbringing also has, a, also has an influence on it because I left school when I was 15, um, no real education to speak of. Um, I kind of like had to teach myself everything, all those skills, didn't go to didn't go to uni, so wasn't prepared for success. And it's almost a kind of position where you get success and then people are sort of telling you that you're doing great and you're like, why are you lying to me? Um, and for me, that's, that's how imposter syndrome comes out. It's that self-negative talk. It's when you are in a room with really important people and then you, you see... What am I doing here? Um, yeah. Someone must have sent the wrong invite out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then again, it's about um, it, it's that negative and imposter syndrome could be quite crippling because we say it's not a a recognised mental health condition; it's a precursor. But I've I've had times where it's it's brought me to tears because I'm so convinced that everyone is just yeah. being nice and I've just got lucky. So but that's but, the anxiety thing kicking in the anxiety and the panic attacks and the and the and the self-fulfilling prophecy around this self-esteem which is self-esteem is often driven by your upbringing and your early experience and how you perceive yourself and how you and how you imagine where your where yourself should be in life and I used to keep a little file which I've got somewhere of all the great emails I got from clients over the years which sounds like I was being a bit arrogant. I wasn't. I was just trying to keep myself feeling good about stuff. So when I was feeling particularly rubbish, I could read that and go, hold on a second. This person said, thank you. That was brilliant. All right, I need to remember that. 
you know, and 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 that's just that negative thing that can start to play in your mind, which is an important to try and keep a handle of and understand, recognize when you're doing it, and understand it's not really you; it's this little devil in your head that's, <laughs> you know, causing you problems. So now I just want to have a look at because been a great discussion about imposter syndrome. We've covered. Um, we've covered a lot. We've had some real life examples from myself. We've gone over the um, the types of imposter syndrome, so the perfectionist, super person, natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. Um, but we always like to have the podcast be somewhere we've actually given away sort of actionable help, actionable tips. Um, what can you do when you're faced with imposter syndrome? So. So let's have a look at the the coping mechanism. So let's just um, drive in. I think one of the biggest things I've always used is uh, assessing the evidence. So um, in light of feeling like a fake, feeling like a fraud, like you don't deserve what you've got, um, just just put it down on paper. Um, nothing too extraordinary, just um, pros and cons. Um, put the list in um, and see see which side outweighs the other. And I think yeah. you'll find that it will be the pros that come out on top and that you actually deserve to be to be where you are. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, for me, the <clears throat> I think the most powerful thing for me is what I described earlier is to go, okay, take yourself out of that situation for a second and just go, hold on a second. Is the person who's hired me stupid? Or is the person who's hired me, do they know what they're doing? All right. Do I get good feedback from my clients or my or my customers or my team or my colleagues? All right. When you get things like that, keep hold of them because you need to remind yourself because unfortunately that little chimp, I've just thought of it, the chimp paradox, that's the book. Uh, that little chimp in your head will tap away at that confidence. So it's a little bit like, you know, trying to, try to remember what the good things are. Yeah, you know, if you're feeling really, really, really down, you need to remember what those good things are. And you need to remember, you have been employed in a job, okay? The person who's hired you has gone through an interview process with you. You have passed that. You have got that job. You are doing that job. Um, so that, for me, is, is, the, is, the, is the number one tip, is always remember that you know, your perception of how you are, if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, is always going to be more negative than it actually is. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, to be honest, sometimes can be a positive. It can drive you to be brilliant. But just try not to let it overtake you because that's where it starts to have have a have a negative effect on your, on your head and your body. Yeah, yes. Um, and the next one here at Unique IQ, we have the saying, um, focus. Focus what's important on what's important, Kerr. Um, and again, one of the biggest tips we have is to refocus. So take your focus away from outward signs of success or achievement and remind yourself what's really important to you. And again, this could be this could be friends, this could be family, this could be your children, this could be a hobby that's really important. It could be it could be anything. Um, again, whatever it is that's important to you, then then spend time on doing that and just just refocus your energies to to where it's where it should be. Um yeah. I think 
we all try to be compassionate, um, but when we always try to be compassionate, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but that compassion always go outward. Very rarely does that compassion come inwards. Um, so I think one of the biggest things I'd say is just practice self-compassion. Mm. This life is tough. This world is tough. Yeah, You're not, yeah be kind to yourself. Tough, yeah. 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 Um, and something that I don't do enough of is use social media moderately. Um, again, quite often on LinkedIn, quite often on Facebook. I haven't made it off to TikTok yet. Um, Mark, I noticed you mentioned TikTok before. Are you, uh, are you a TikTok kid? I hate it. Um, I personally, my personal view is uh, TikTok is extremely dangerous. And it is, uh, I mean, it's a... That could be another episode, but I think it is uh, slowly but surely damaging particularly kids' ability to read and understand detail and understand a whole argument, and you can't answer many of life questions in a 10-second video. Um, that plus all the other more political issues around it, but my personal view is, um, you know, if I look at my children and I look at my kids' friends, and um, you know, I see a lot of a lot of serious damage down the road on that. To be honest with you, um, yeah, yeah. And again, imposter syndrome with social media. And people are taking pictures with their with their Gucci suits on and Rolex yeah, next to the yeah. lots of the brand new cars. And again, it can make you feel inadequate. So yeah. I think social media is a future episode that will do the the impact of social media on mental health. It's it's a huge topic. Yeah, uh, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. It's been amazing to talk about imposter syndrome. Um, again, some of those are uh, some of those tips are assess the evidence, refocus, practice that self compassion, and try to stay off social media um, as much as we can. Um, again, something that I need to do. Yeah, um, and we're just gonna finish off as we always do um, with the with the check-in and check-out. Um, so, Mark, um, recommendations? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, what I just mentioned, actually, um, around this imposter syndrome is is one of the best books I've ever read, which is uh, Professor Steve Peters. He was the... Um, uh, he was originally the uh, performance psychiatrist uh, for British Cycling. So he originally was the one who started the marginal gains thing for Dave Brailsford. And he wrote this book called The Chimp Paradox, which is absolutely brilliant. And it effectively talks about what you're constantly fighting against is this chimp in your head, telling you negative things, telling you all the things that you can't do. And what you have to do is you have to learn to manage negative chimp with positive chimp and actually try to try to understand that, unfortunately, your brain will try to sabotage you a lot. Um, but it's an amazing book. And if you like sport, it's fantastic. But actually forget the sport bit. It's just a really, really interesting read to give you an understanding of what's going on inside this amazing machine we have in our skull. Amazing machine, but can be seriously, can, 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 can hijack us if we're not careful. So that would be my okay. recommendation. Chimp Paradox is, I think it's one of the most popular books in the in the sort of field of mental health reading yeah, um, yeah it's brilliant and it's 
it's a nice, easy read as well. It's not one of these ones that's too heavy going. It's written really well, so I'd recommend that. Um, as I as I said earlier, um, book the holiday. So book time off, book the holiday. Um, so my recommendation is just just take some time off, whether that's a day off, whether that's a weekend, and just have some time to recharge the batteries. Um, if anyone's read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, by Dr. Stephen Covey. Um, the last chapter in that is all about sort of making sure you're looking after your tools. And again, the tools could be something different in our line of work through our brains. Um, um, so make sure we're taking time out for ourselves. We get annual leave for a reason. Make sure you make sure you use that annual leave. So that's the end of our episode on imposter syndrome. You got anything planned on the 26th of April at 10 o'clock, Mark? I do. I do. Um, I am doing a live podcast at the Residential and Care Home uh, show with you, I believe. Yes, In Excel in London. So that's very exciting to do a live version of this. What could possibly go wrong? Paul, our producer, is sitting there uh, quivering at the moment. But no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be slick as. Yes. Um, yeah, so, we're looking forward to that. That'd be good fun. So yeah, the the Health Plus Care Show by Closer Still Media, um, going to be a great event. Um, we're there for the two days we're exhibiting. Um, so we'll have the stand on on the twenty sixth at ten. We're doing the the live season finale. Definitely like something from from Game of Thrones. Um, we'll Maybe not, be, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the budget, I don't think the budget will quite be as good as Game of Thrones, but we're getting there. Uh, we're getting there but yeah um the 26th of april 10 o'clock if you're on the xl make sure you pop by uh make sure you pop by the unique iq stand i'll be on there all day so if you if you happen to miss me and you've got any questions feel free to pop over and i'm sure i'm sure mark will be loitering on the stand at some point as well i will brilliant look forward to it but yeah have an amazing have an amazing evening, everyone. And the next episode will be the, the live season finale recorded live at the XL in partnership with Closer Still Media and the Health Plus Care Show. Bye.